Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of having a fellowship with you. We pray that you will come upon every one of us and fellowship with us in the person of your Holy Spirit, granting us wisdom, understanding, and especially power that we may become the sons of God as you have promised in your word. Lord, you have also promised to us that as many as received you to them, you give power to be sons of God and that you are able to save us to the uttermost as we come to the Lord through your son, Jesus. Now, Lord, in this moment of devotion, we pray that you will mightily visit us, that the words which shall be heard shall give us grace and strength to be what you want us to be, to fulfill the mission that you want us to fulfill. I commit myself unto your care. Put your words in my mouth, that it may be a blessing to everyone. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflicts and Courage, May 8. This is the secret. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Judges chapter 16, verse 20. Day by day, Delilah urged him until his soul was vexed unto death. Yet a subtle power kept him by her side. Overcome at last, Samson made known the secret. There had not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. A messenger was immediately dispatched to the lords of the Philistines, urging them to come to her without delay. While the warrior slept, the heavy masses of his hair were severed from his head. Then, as she had done three times before, she called, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Suddenly awaking, he thought to exert his strength as before and destroy them. But his powerless arms refused to do his bidding, and he knew that Jehovah was departed from him. When he had been shaven, Delilah began to annoy him and cause him pain, thus making a trial of his strength. For the Philistines dared not approach him till fully convinced that his power was gone. Then they seized him, and having put out both his eyes, they took him to Gaza. Here he was bound with fetters in their prison house and confined to hard labor. What a change to him! who had been the judge and champion of Israel, now weak, blind, imprisoned, degraded to the most menial service. Little by little, he had violated the conditions of his sacred calling. God had borne long with him. But when he had so yielded himself to the power of sin as to betray his secret, the Lord departed from him. There was no virtue in his long hair merely, but it was a token of his loyalty to God, and when the symbol was sacrificed in the indulgence of passion, the blessings of which it was a token were also forfeited. Had Samson's head been shaven without fault on his part, his strength would have remained, but his course had shown contempt for the favor and authority of God 
as much as if he had in disdain himself severed his locks from his head. Therefore, God left him to endure the results of his own folly. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is This is the Secret. From where we left off in the story of Samson, yesterday, we saw how close Samson had come to telling Delilah the truth. Delilah the consumer finally got the opportunity to consume him when finally Samson gave her the secret to his strength. Reading from Judges chapter 16, reading from verse 16 now it says, And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There had not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak, and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his hurt, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he had showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and as and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep. And she said, I and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. A sad story for a man, a man who was the judge of Israel. As we go through this, we realize what may become of us if we also trifle with sin. The longer Samson trifled with sin, the more, the closer he came to sin destroying him. Like we read, little by little, he had violated the conditions of his sacred calling. God had borne long with him. But when he had so yielded to the power of sin as to betray his secret, the Lord departed from him. So, we also should understand our relationship with God. Samson had a relationship with God, and that agreement that they had was he was not to allow any razor to touch his head. But he betrayed this secret to a woman, a Philistine, who was not a friend of the Lord, and he eventually became destroyed. And like we already saw, it is not no one. Sh- no one should think now that you can just pray to the Lord and then you have seven locks on your head, and then you have the same power that Samson had. The greatest power you can have is that which will make you to rule yourself. Samson didn't have that. The locks on his head didn't give him that power. The power that he actually needed at this time, he didn't have it. And it was the power to say no to Delilah. It was the power to separate from her. The power not to even come close to her. The greatest power a man can have is the power to control himself. It's the power to win the battle over self. Samson lost this battle. By lingering so long with Delilah, by even having any kind of friendship with Delilah to the point that he's sleeping on her laps. How did she cause him to sleep on her laps? 
How was it that even when they were cutting his hair, he was not aware? Well, I cannot say, but it only goes to show us how comfortable he was in sin, how comfortable he had become. At first, that is how sin works, little by little, you violate the conditions. Your conscience troubles you at first. The more you continue in it, the more your conscience gets deadened and then you begin to feel comfortable. We hear that sin first revolts, then it is tolerated and then it is also accepted. The first time you may fall into a particular sin, you are shocked at what you do. You are surprised, wondering, the Lord will depart from me. What am I doing here? I have sinned against the Lord. But that is how habits form. Habits is something that when we form it in the right way, it will indeed be a great help to us. But when bad habits are formed, it can be indeed an iron fetter that it will be almost impossible for us to break out of. Yesterday we read that quote, reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 596, paragraph 2, which says, Once formed, habit is like an iron net. You may struggle desperately against it, but it will not break. Your only safe course is to build for time and for eternity. And we are in a time when we are building. And we must ensure that we are building for ourselves for time and eternity. That which will hold, that which will not be an iron net to us to our own detriment and to our own consumption and destruction. If we are forming any habit, let it be a habit that will lead us to life, that will cause us to remain with the Lord. For Samson, that was not the case. His habits was one that was destroying him, consuming him. His habit of giving in to his indulgences of the flesh indeed was a killer to him. So today, let us talk about how to reform when we have formed habits that are not good. Let us talk about that. Reading from the Ministry of Healing, page 156 and 157, we are told, It is of little use to try to reform others by attacking what we may regard as wrong habits. Such effort often results in more harm than good. In his talk with the Samaritan woman, instead of disparaging Jacob's well, Christ presented something better. If thou knewest the gift of God, he said, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have said of him, and he would have given thee living water. John 4 verse 10 he turned the conversation to the treasure he had to bestow, offering the woman something better than she possessed, even living water, the joy and hope of the gospel. End of quote. So what was it that was the destruction of Samson? Samson, the mighty man, now in the prison of the Philistines with his eyes plucked out, chained in brass iron, in brass chains and put to do a work that is a demeaning work, the judge of Israel being used as a worker in the prison, the dungeon of the Philistines. He made friends with someone who he shouldn't have been mixing with and that was Delilah. It is always the case also that for us, Satan will seek to bring to us people who will be a destruction to us. Reading from Testimonies Volume 5, page 397 down to 398, it says, Our great adversary has agents that are constantly hunting for an opportunity to destroy souls as a lion hunts his prey. Shun them, young man, for while they appear to be your friends, they will slyly introduce evil ways and practices. 
they flatter you with their lips and offer to help and guide you. But their steps take hold on hell. If you listen to their counsel, it may be the turning point in your life. One safeguard removed from conscience, the indulgence of one evil habit, a single neglect of the high claims of duty may be the beginning of a course of deception that will pass you into the ranks of those who are serving Satan, while you are all the time professing to love God and his cause. A moment of thoughtlessness, a single misstep, may turn the whole current of your lives in the wrong direction and you may never know what caused your ruin until the sentence is pronounced, Depart from me, ye that walk iniquity. Some young men know that what I have said fairly describes their course. Their ways are not hidden from the Lord, although they may be hidden from their best friends, even their fathers and mothers. I have little hope that some of these will ever change their course of hypocrisy and deception. Others who have erred are seeking to redeem themselves. May the dear Jesus help them to see their faces as of help them to set their faces as a flint against all falsehoods and the flatteries of those who would weaken their purpose to do right or who would insinuate doubts or infidel sentiments to shake their faith in the truth. Young friends, do not spend an hour in the company of those who would unfit you for the pure and sacred work of God. Do nothing before strangers that you would not do before your father or mother or that you would be ashamed of before Christ and the holy angels." End of quote. Here the Lord is telling us some principles we can set in our mind that will help us to not start any bad habit or continue in it. If we would think that the Lord is ever before us and we would say to ourselves, I will do nothing in private or before my friends or strangers that I wouldn't want Christ and his holy angels to see, it can go a long way to helping us. Also, if we would have in mind that the adversary of souls is seeking to unite and link us to his agents that are haunting for an opportunity to destroy our soul, though themselves they may not even see themselves as agents of Satan, but some of them actually are and they are intentionally trying to bring you down, watching for an opportunity to do something, to report you and say like the Philistines, we have finally gotten something, pluck out your eyes and make it a matter of boasting. There are some people like that. And it's our duty to be clear because no one is going to come to you as a friend and tell you that, that they are your enemy. They will always call you their friend. And even if they think they are your friend, some of them have good intentions, but then they may be people used by the devil. Anyone who is suggesting any evil thing to you, like Delilah was doing to Samson, know very well, brothers and sisters, that that is the agent of Satan. Maybe they don't know, they may not know any better, but you must be able to identify them. And do not think that your brothers, your blood brother, your blood sister, and your parents cannot be agents of Satan because here is where the devil gets so many people. They feel, oh, the agents of Satan are out there. They, they, keep, they, they believe that Satan can use people, but not their mother, not their father, not their brother, not their sister, not their husband, not their wives, and not their children. They think that, oh, all my family are good. But they don't understand that in that thought, 
is where the devil is going to get you. Who did the devil use to get Adam? It was his wife, Eve. Who was it that destroyed Ahab? It was his wife, Jezebel. Who was it that gave the advice to Amnon to sleep with his own sister? It was his own cousin that gave him that advice. So brothers and sisters, expand your horizon when you are looking for the agents of Satan and do not limit it to people out there and outside your church. They are in your church and they are in your family. The Delilahs, they are there. It is not just out there thinking that, oh, I can't identify my own as Delilah. They are mine. They are my own. No. When you do that, you are just setting yourself up. Open your eyes, brothers and sisters, and be able to identify those people. Their faces, it is not written on their faces. Their names doesn't carry it saying, agents, this, I work for Satan. No. It is you who will understand them. Anyone, like we read, who is going to flatter you with their lips, offer to help and guide you, and but in the way they are guiding you, their steps are taking hold of hell. The counsel they are giving you is contrary to the word of God. We are to, told, we are to shun them. We are to stay away from them. They may appear to be friends and family, but they will introduce evil ways and practices to us, and we must run away from them. And this is something we can use to protect ourselves from going down the drain. And if we have even come close to any evil thing, and we are already in the net and chains of evil habits, there is still hope. Now that we have not yet been, our eyes have not yet been plucked out, and our strength has not been taken away from us, we can reform. How? Isaiah 45 verse 22 says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. The hope for everyone who wants to reform is by beholding Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you want to change your life? We must behold Christ, and you must take time to behold Him. What does it mean to behold Christ? It means that we study His Word. It means that we stay with Him in Bible study. And much more than that, it means that we love Him and continue to dwell upon Him. Reading from Steps to Christ, page 27, we are told it is true that men sometimes become ashamed of their sinful ways and give up some of their evil habits before they are conscious that they are being drawn to Christ. But whenever they make an effort to reform from a sincere desire to do right, it is the power of Christ that is drawing them. So, I'll continue the reading, but we learned something here just now. That if we want to reform, we must have a sincere desire to do right. But anybody who has that sincere desire, they may not know Jesus Christ. But it is Christ who is moving them in that direction. And that's why he says, whenever we make an effort to reform from a sincere desire to do right. It is the power of Christ that is drawing us. I continue to read it now. It says, An influence of which they are unconscious works upon the soul, and the conscience is quickened, and the outward life is amended. And as Christ draws them to look upon his cross, to behold him who their sins have pierced, the commandment comes home to the conscience. The wickedness of their life, the deep-seated sin of the soul, is revealed to them. So here we see that beholding Christ is a very important thing for us if we 
must overcome. Beholding Christ is by studying the Word of God. And when we see Christ, love is kindled in our hearts. And that love will make us to comprehend and understand something about Him. And it leads us to have a motivation and say, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? In that same step to Christ, page 27, we are told, Then they begin to comprehend something of the righteousness of Christ and exclaim, What is sin? that it should require such a sacrifice for the redemption of its victim. Was all this love, all this suffering, all this humiliation demanded that we might not perish but have everlasting life?" End of quote. And this is something that many cannot claim to have an experience in. There are many who, out of a sincere desire to do right, they start to reform. But not many can claim to have the experience of Joseph when he said, How can I do this great wickedness? and sin against God. Joseph had a closeness and relationship with God that was real and personal. And because of that, Christ was ever before him. He had beheld Christ. Christ was real to him. And he knew the goodness of God in his life. And he said it, that his master has not withheld anything from him and he attributed that to God. And the goodness of God led Joseph to maintain a life of principle and integrity and holiness and purity. We too, if we can just take time to contemplate Jesus and see his matchless charms, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness and love, the very fact that you have been committing sin all this while and he has not even exposed you, the very fact that you have been engaging in embarrassing, shameful practices and yet he has covered you all this while when he can actually expose you should actually be something that we will think in our mind and say, Oh, my Lord is good. The very fact that in spite of our sins, He still provides for us food, shelter, clothing, and even keeps blessing us. Some of us, we keep even climbing higher and higher. He keeps making us to prosper in material things and even keeps on giving us the spiritual blessings and He has not withheld it from us. Samson was like that. The goodness of God was supposed to lead him to repentance. All this while, while he was in fornication, The power of the Lord was not taken away from him. If the Lord had taken away his strength, God would have been justified, even if his hair was not cut. Because he had actually broken the Nazarite vow, not just because of the hair, but by many other ways in living a life of frivolity and fornication. He had already broken the Nazarite vow, but the Lord was just being merciful to him. And that mercy was supposed to lead him to repentance. He was supposed to contemplate and behold Christ and say, How? Why am I doing this? He was supposed to weep for himself and say, After all I have done, the Lord has not taken my strength from me. The first time when the Philistines came against him and he was able to stand up, he was supposed to contemplate and feel that, ah, I am in adultery. How can I fight when I am in adultery? And the moment he sees that his strength is not taken away from him, he's supposed to realize and say, the Lord didn't take away my strength even when I sinned against him. And then make a commitment and say, because of this, I will be faithful to the Lord. Beholding Christ helps us because we indeed see his goodness and his mercy and especially when we behold him dying on the cross. Beholding Christ dying on the cross doesn't mean you go and take a picture of Christ and look of someone because it's not actually Christ, of someone that is looking like they nailed the person to the cross or getting a crucifix and looking at it. No, beholding Christ means to study Christ, study the word of God and see the goodness of the Lord in sending his son to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And then ask yourself, 
all these things he did for me. For what purpose? I didn't do anything for him. I cannot do anything for him. He has nothing to gain. We are the ones that have everything to gain. For him to be so selfless, it should touch our hearts to the point that we will say, I must serve him with loyalty and faithfulness. The thing is, whenever we are overcoming, trying to overcome evil habits, they, 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 they are very strong. They, they hold us really strong and we are to fight back. Testimony for the Church, Volume 4, page 655 tells us, Bad habits, when opposed, will offer the most vigorous resistance. But if the warfare is kept up with energy and perseverance, they may be conquered. Amen. I also told in letter 57, 1887, this is also reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 500 and page 600 says by beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord we are actually to be changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord we expect too little and we receive according to our faith we are not to cling to our own ways our own plans our own ideas we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Besetting sins are to be conquered and evil habits overcome. Wrong dispositions and feelings are to be rooted out and holy tempers and emotions begotten in us by the Spirit of God. End of quote. It is possible, brothers and sisters, like we just read now, if we expect little, we will receive little and according to our faith. Some of us look at our habits and defects in character as mammoths that cannot be overcome. We look at them as the children of Anak. We look at them as mountains. But what did Jesus say? If you have faith just as little as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, let it be taken away and cast into the sea and to be done. If we believe that the Lord can give us the victory, he will give us the victory. But then, you must follow his appointed way and do the things he has asked you to do by faith, not believing that, oh, the act itself, when you do what the Lord says you should do, that's what actually give you the victory, that the victory is in that act itself. No, the victory is in the Lord who said you should do it. When Naaman was told to go to the river Jordan, the, the healing for him was not in Jordan. It was in the Lord who asked him to go to Jordan. His part, nevertheless, was to do what the Lord said he should do. Was it his going to Jordan that saved him? That healed him of leprosy no it was not jordan that healed him but his faith in doing what the lord asked him to do healed him so also with us if we want to break habits do what the lord asked you to do those things might look very simple but yet in doing them by faith the lord will give us the victory we must expect much and we will get much reading from him ministry of healing page 115 we are told the grace of christ can break the bondage of evil habits i read it says Men need to learn that the blessings of obedience in their fullness can be theirs only as they receive the grace of Christ. It is his grace that gives man power to obey the laws of God. It is this that enables him to break the bondage of evil habit. This is the only power that can make him and keep him steadfast in the right path. End of quote. So what is it that can help us? The, that to get the blessings of obedience by receiving the grace of Christ. So somebody will ask, where do I receive this grace from? Ask for it. Pray. Tires, pray fervently. Pray earnestly. Lord, grant me your grace. Especially should we pray during the hour of temptation. Brothers and sisters, victory is possible. We need not lose our strength like Samson. Our eyes need not be plucked out. We don't need to be in chains of 
the bondage of sin under the Philistines, we can get the victory. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles, page 476, we are told, Through the power of Christ, men and women have broken the chains of sinful habit. They have renounced selfishness. The profane have become reverent. The drunken, sober. The profligate, pure. Souls that have borne the likeness of Satan have become transformed into the image of God. End of quote. Amen. And I say amen again. It is possible, brothers and sisters, through the power of Christ. Do not give up on Christ. Continue to believe in him and you can get the victory. And by 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 continual effort, because it doesn't come immediately. It doesn't come without effort and without time. Time, you must give it some time. You must continually practice it. Remember that habits are not formed in a moment. It takes time to form habits. Reading from Amazing Grace, page 224, paragraph 2, we are told, The mind of a man or a woman does not come down in a moment from purity and holiness to depravity, corruption, and crime. It takes time to transform the human to the divine or to degrade those formed in the image of God to the brutal or the satanic. By beholding, we become changed. End of quote. So, whatever it is we are beholding, we can become changed to evil also. But what are you setting before your mind's eye? What are you listening to? What are you reading? All these things is what you are beholding. In other words, whatever you set before your mind, you will be changed into that thing. So, victory is possible and that's what I want to assure us. That we do not need like Samson to be so bound to our Delilah that is consuming us till our eyes are plucked out and our strength is taken from us and we go into deeper bondage than the sin we already exist we already were in that is the thing about habit it doesn't leave us the way we are if you are engaging in any sensual indulgence that's lust of the flesh now things that release dopamine in the head what used to satisfy you today will not satisfy you tomorrow you need to increase it so that it will keep on giving you the same high that you wanted whether it is in alcoholism whether it is in pornography masturbation in sexual intercourse anything at all that is a soul-destroying vice we go deeper and deeper into it because just like Samson, we do not we want to we we are we just keep staying with Delilah and we get more comfortable to the point where we give up the secret of our power, prayer, so that we do not pray anymore because we are so much into sin, and because you have dwelt in it and wallowed in it and you are now swimming in it, you give up the secret of your power, prayer. Do not wallow in sin to the point that you give up the secret of repair, prayer of your power, which is everything that the Lord has said will help us. Not just prayer, even Bible study and activities that the Lord has put in place to help us. We can ensure that we don't get to that point as Samson did. In conclusion, I read from Ministry of Healing, page 491. We are told, The only security for any soul is in right thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 verse 7 The power of self-restraint strengthens by exercise. That which at first seems difficult by constant repetition grows easy and right thoughts and actions become habitual. End of quote. I pray that our God will continue to help us to properly put into practice what we are hearing. I cannot say it any better than what I have just read. May we persevere in right thoughts, right actions, that it may become habitual for us that we may overcome whatever bad habits that we have. Many have overcome before us and it is possible for us to overcome. 
take courage and have faith. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, your children are here before you again. We are Samson's of today, very close to being consumed by Delilah. Please, Lord, help us at this moment to turn back and retrace our steps. Whatever habits it is that we have, whether it looks small or big in our eyes, it will certainly destroy us. Therefore, we pray, please, Lord, give us power, give us grace to put into practice all that we've learned, that we may be delivered and we may be firm, having integrity, faithful and loyal to you, having the victory over our besetments. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.